Today on Real Life Radio. The Beamers don't make people happy. The Mercedes didn't make my family stay together. The house on the hill didn't make me any happier. And on MTV Worldwide Poll a couple years ago, the world's youth said the number one most important thing to me is will I have a family? That, my friends, is the beginning of a revival. This is Real Life. Welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Jack Hibbs. I'm David J. thanking you for joining us today as we listen, learn, and are challenged by God's Word, the Bible. Hey, this is Jack Hibbs here, and I want to encourage you to get our brand new book, Living in the Days of Deception. This book is specifically written to help you and I navigate these very deceptive times. Here's a special offer. Yes, it is available wherever books are sold. However, right here at jackhibbs.com, if you order it here with us, you will get and only get right here four video teachings where I address certain aspects of the book with you personally. And so we look forward to you getting your own copy, Living in the Days of Deception, right here at jackhibbs.com, and you can get the four exclusive bonus teachings as well. Living in the Days of Deception by Jack Hibbs is available for a gift of any amount at jackhibbs.com days. That's D-A-Z-E, days. Once again, jackhibbs.com D-A-Z-E. On today's edition of Real Life Radio, Pastor Jack begins his new series called First Corinthians with a message titled, What Jesus Christ Sees in His Church, Part 1. 1 Corinthians was written by the Apostle Paul, of course, to the Church of God in Corinth, and this is a study on how to stay true to the gospel message of Jesus Christ and forget about human-born philosophies. You see, Corinth was Rome's most advanced province in the empire, but when affluence and success come along, it's part of our nature to forget about God. Pagan religions were practiced everywhere, and the church had lost its light. So today, Pastor Jack teaches that the Church of God in Corinth is our example of what not to do as believers. But it's because of the Corinthian lifestyle that the true gospel was given. Now, with his message called, What Jesus Christ Sees in His Church, Part 1, here's pastor and Bible teacher, Jack Hibbs. So what Jesus Christ sees in his church, I want you to follow along with me. Chapter 1, verse 1, 1 Corinthians, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ, through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother. To the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. We'll explain more of that in a moment. With all who are in every place that call on the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. Verse three says, grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to put your eyes to the screen here in a moment. Um, in taking a trip, everybody makes a plan. You make a plan. And Paul's about ready to take a trip. And he's going to uh, do his what uh, becomes his second missionary journey. And so I want you to look at this. Uh, look uh, there and I'll try to i show you something if you can see this. Uh, here's Jerusalem, bottom right-hand corner. You see where the E is in Jerusalem? Right where that E is, uh, Paul would have gone down the coast, headed north to Caesarea, up to that seaport village. An amazing place. Many of you have been there. Beautiful place. It's the Newport Beach of Israel today. And so he would have uh, gone, as you can see, these little arrows taken what's called the Via Maris. It goes up this. That's their Pacific Coast Highway, literally. 
He would have gone up to Antioch, Derby, Lystra, Iconium, Troas, up into Europe, into this area, and you can see Thessalonica, other areas there, all along the way, making stops and planting churches. He would show up and preach the gospel. People would begin to gather around. Listen, number one, there were predominantly Jews that would come in here, and they would be converted. Gentiles began to come and see what in the world's going on. He would have come down now this area, some of the most beautiful territory in the planet today, by the way. There's Thessalonica, one of the oldest cities of the world. You can get an airplane ride today. You can buy a ticket to Thessalonica. And you would come down as he did, and he came to Athens. And Paul was so excited because Athens was known as the seat of intelligentsia. Athens was the place where all the philosophers and thinkers uh, what do we have like that in America today? Can someone help me? Do we have a place like that today? Is it the think tank? Uh, would it be, I don't know, like MIT of America? I don't know. None, probably not, because this is more philosophical. Do you remember in Acts chapter 17, Paul shows up and he's walking around Athens and he notices all of these idols to all these gods? And then there's a, a stand right there that's empty. It's just a podium. Or a, a, a platform and it says to the unknown God because the Greeks did not want to offend some God they might have forgotten. Literally. And so they had this platform there and it says, well, in case we missed any gods, this one will be to the unknown God. From Athens, which Paul, if you read in Acts chapter 17 and 18, completely flopped. The ministry there was an absolute flop. Paul, I think, tried to impress them with his knowledge and it didn't work. He winds up going over to Corinth, which now takes place and is the host for our study. And right there in Corinth, Paul will announce to them chapter 2, verse 2. He'll say to them, listen, when I came to you guys, I didn't pretend or act like I knew anything except one thing. Remember that? That's Christ and him crucified. He learned a bitter lesson in Athens. He tried to pontificate in Athens without the preaching of the cross and fell flat on his face. Paul could have easily been caught up into the impressiveness of Athens itself. And that's easy to do. It's safe for us to be kind of self-righteous and holy in the confines of these walls. But it's, it's another thing to be walking down Sunset Boulevard or Hollywood and Vine and maintain a strong biblically based view when you're being pulled in a thousand different ways. And Paul, who was a very brilliant man, no doubt was being pulled by all of the things that were, to him, a temptation to maybe debate these philosophers. Paul was a great debater. To maybe speak to uh, the priest of this particular God, be it Titan or uh, Athena or whoever it might have been, Poseidon. All the gods were there. In fact, if you go to the... uh, Museum of Pergamum in Berlin. You'll see those gods. Those gods now are enshrined at that great location. The Bible tells us also in Acts chapter 1, verse 6, Therefore, when they, that is the apostles, had come together, they asked Jesus, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Are you going to wrap up this ministry of yours now and bring into the kingdom age? And Jesus said to them, 2,000 years ago, verse 7, Acts chapter 1, he said, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But, verse 8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses 
to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and to the what? To the ends of the earth. And so Paul, understanding, though he was not present at that moment, he came to Christ later on that road to Damascus, the Holy Spirit speaking to him that truth. Jesus, no doubt Paul would have heard this, Jesus in Matthew 28, 18, when he spoke to his disciples before he ascended back into heaven. He says, all authority, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore. Isn't that great? Can somebody say like amen to that? Are you not, listen, Christian, he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And you might say, well, that's cool. No, Jesus says, get excited. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. We can, you know, because all authority has been given to him. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, or behold, look, open your eyes. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Based upon whose authority? Jesus's. Paul pulls up to Corinth in about 50 AD, preaches the gospel, and a church is born. The writing of this letter takes place in about 54 AD. About three to four years have passed since the founding of that church. Listen to this. Corinth was Rome's most affluent, profitable, highest standard of living, richest city in all of the empire. You might say, that's where I'd want to live. Well, and apparently a lot of people did because the population of that ancient city during the time of Rome was over 500,000 people. That's a big deal for an ancient city, you guys. It was powerful, influential. Listen, it was a trendsetter in the Roman culture. It was something that was highly desirable. They had a, listen, they had a lot of leisure time. They were known for their leisure. But one of the things that stood out in this tremendous city was its pagan temples. We'll see some later. But religion... And spirituality was huge. Why? Listen, you guys, anybody remember the Jesus movement days back in uh, what started in Southern California was really what came out of, and many of us are uh, children of that movement. Um, it followed on the heels of what? Do you remember the 60s? <laughs> no, man, can't remember. Dude, it's all blank. <laughs> you don't want to remember the 60s. Young people were saying, um, materialism's not it. My parents have worked their tail off and they own the, all this stuff. They've got cars, we've got TVs, we even have radios. Uh, we've got two or three pairs of shoes. We've got th- three or four pairs of pants. We are so rich and we're not any happier. And the young people said, you know what? It's time to, what, what was the old saying? I, tune in, tune out, and drop in, or whatever. It was in Timothy Leary's invitation to come and take acid. Drop acid. Leave this world and find a metaphysical spiritual realm. Listen, Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun, and history repeats itself, my friend. And that, here's why I'm excited about the evil age in which we live in. And I know that sounds contradictory, and it is not. The reason why I am excited about the age in which you and I live in is because we are now on a sociological and religiously or spiritual uh, scale. 
We are ripe in America for revival. You want to know why? Kids know today, these kids you saw on the screens, your junior highs, your high schoolers know that sex was all exciting at, at first and now it's, it's dangerous and it's scary. It's your children. It's the next generation, did you know, that's announcing no more abortions. Did you know that? Many of you may be so liberal. You're saying, well, whatever, choose whatever. Not your kids. Statistically, go look it up. The data is overwhelming. The new generation coming up, God bless them. They're realizing, you know what? What my parents led me into doesn't work. The Beamers don't make people happy. The Mercedes didn't make my family stay together. The house on the hill didn't make me any happier. And on MTV Worldwide Poll a couple years ago, the world's youth said, the number one most important thing to me is will I have a family? That, my friends, is the beginning of a revival. We just need to be Christians to stand up and to proclaim the gospel that Jesus Christ came for them, died on the cross for them, and rose again from the grave for them, that they can have their sins forgiven and be given new life. And you don't have to ram that down anybody's mouth or face. You know what happens? They, it's a movement of God. The sin, as it were, like it was in Egypt, the flesh began to come out of their nose, remember? We want meat, we want meat. We're sick of this man of bread, Moses. We're sick of it. And God said, get out of the way, Moses. I'll send them meat. God sent them meat. They wanted meat, God gave them meat. And what happened? The Bible says they had meat so much that they began to choke on it and it began to come out of their nose. That's awesome. I'd love to have seen that happen. Our culture has had enough of free sex and drugs. They're sick of it. And they're looking for something meaningful. And if you're not there, and if we're not there, if we're not on the streets, if we don't have uh, youth pastors, were you not blessed by our youth pastors last week? That is an engineered process of the leadership of this church that your youth be the best taught youth on the planet. And you got a grip of that last week. Why? That's the future. If Christ doesn't come back, that's the church. And frankly, I'm pretty excited about it. When I look around at our youth, I say, thank you, God. You're listening to Real Life with Pastor Jack Hibbs. You know, to hear more episodes and maybe catch up in the series, just go to jackhibbs.com. That's jackhibbs.com. And for now, let's get back to our teaching. Once again, here's Pastor Jack. You'll find this remarkable. I did. I totally forgot this. I remember learning this years and years ago in school and I forgot it. Sad to say, I'm embarrassed to say it. Mark it down. Paul the Apostle wrote the book of 1 Corinthians. He wrote it to communicate to them, to remind them of what he had preached to them years earlier. Here's the interesting thing. He was warning them. They had gotten carnal. They had gotten lazy about their Christianity. Here's what's shocking. From the city of Corinth itself, Paul wrote another very famous book of his. It's probably his most famous work. In fact, it is studied today still in many universities of law, of law school. It's the book of Romans. Paul wrote the book of Romans in Corinth. Now, you guys all sitting down? Because you're going to pass out here in a second when I tell you why that's important. With all of its affluence and with all of its wealth, it got bored with things. The church got carnal and it began to flirt with other gods and other lifestyles and ways of living, getting away from the word of God. And it adopted the carnal ways of the world. 
And Paul, listen, like G. Campbell Morgan said, Paul probably opened up his window one day in Corinth and looked out of the window onto the streets of Corinth as he writes to his friends in Rome. And this is what he wrote. Are you ready? This is deep stuff. You get to see what Paul saw in Corinth. Romans chapter 1, verse 18. This is Paul's view from Corinth, a city that was setting the tempo and lifestyle of the Roman Empire. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Imagine now, church, he's looking out the window watching the injustice and the unrighteousness of a wealthy, prosperous, pagan culture. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them. What made him write that? Did he look at them and see their genius? And did he look at them and see their creativity and their, their arts and craftsness of their lives? Their amazingness? That they were people who were literally given gifts from God, but they didn't know that. They didn't recognize that. They didn't recognize what was manifested in them. For God has shown it to them, verse 20. He says, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. Why doesn't the Corinthians see this, O Romans? I'm here in Corinth and I'm looking at them and they're lost. They've got incredible robes. They've got incredible jewelry. They've got incredible wealth, but they're incredibly lost. They can't see what is godly, what is right. Being understood, they should know this by the things that God has made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Verse 21, because although they knew God, that is, they knew about the one true God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful. They weren't thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Verse 22, professing to be wise, Corinth boasted that its intellect rivaled Athens. And he looks out the window and he says, man, they think they're so smart, but they've become fools. And they've changed the glory of the incorruptible God into the evolutionary theory. Look at it. Into an image made like corruptible man, like birds, like four-footed animals, like creeping things. That's evolution in reverse. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness. He's looking out of his window. In the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. Who exchanged the truth of God for the lie. As he looks out his window. They worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. Who was blessed forever. Amen. And for this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. He cut them loose. He's let them go. For even their women... He's writing to Rome and he's talking to them about the Corinthian women. Exchange the natural use for what is against nature. In other words, women didn't want to be with men in Corinth. They'd already done enough of that. It was boring. They went that which was against nature. And likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty, penalty of the error which is due. Internal 
corruption, diseases, sicknesses. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate or debased mind to do those things that are not fitting. Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whispers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud. This is where Paul lived in Corinth. Boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful. Who, knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things deserve death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Ladies and gentlemen, it's awful quiet in here right now. This is Paul's eyewitness account of Corinth. You think it's nasty in our world today? 2,000 years after the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the world is still lost. It's godless. Church, Christian, don't run from godlessness. Run toward it. Armed with the armaments of Christ that he has provided for you and I. Paul went to Rome. He knew what Rome was all about. And he went to Corinth, Athens, Troas. Where did he go? Wherever he went, he knew what he was walking into. This is Christianity, front and center, head on. Christians should wear helmets. What do you have that on for? I'm a Christian. (laughs) The righteous need to stand up. Well, someone's going to think I'm a weirdo. Listen, they already think you're a weirdo. So I'd rather be a weirdo for Jesus than a weirdo for what I am. It's a serious time, you guys. We need to give them the gospel. And the world is programmed, think about it, to receive the gospel. I'll leave you with this. In 1 Corinthians verse 2, look what it says there. He says that he's an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. Come back next week. We'll have some fun with that. Here's the reason why. A church that was so messed up. Take the time to read these opening lines because I sure didn't take the time this morning to do it for you. He blesses them. You guys, we're going to find out that they're sleeping around. They're allowing stuff because of the pagan influence. And he says, you guys, first of all, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. And he's going to be talking about them who are the church at Corinth. Are you kidding me? He's going to tell them, come back next week, Romans 8, 15. He says, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Corinthians were a bunch of Gentile, pagan-worshipping, mass goofball loonies who came to the gospel, got all excited about it, and stayed in church But as time went on, they became more and more like the world. You couldn't tell them apart from the other people. And if I were Paul, I probably would have said, Paul, an apostle, Lord Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to you, scumball, idiot, good for nothing, bums in Corinth. He didn't do that to them. He sits them down and says, in a nutshell, God loves you guys. He's crazy about you. So much so, he he adopted you into his own family. That's awesome. Pastor and Bible teacher, Jack Hibbs, here on Real Life Radio with his message called, What Jesus Christ Sees in His Church, Part 1. 
Thanks for being with us today. You know, this message is part of Pastor Jack's series called 1 Corinthians. It's a series on the Corinthian church and the Apostle Paul's bold call for purity. And we'll continue on the next edition of Real Life Radio. Are you searching for answers these days in a world where truth is hard to find? Well, my friend, as you heard in our broadcast, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And if you'd like to learn more about what that means to you personally, just go to our website, jackhibbs.com, and then click on that tab there that's labeled Know God. And there you'll be guided through what committing to Jesus Christ really means and the freedom that you'll find in knowing God. That's the Know God tab at our website, jackhibbs.com. That's jackhibbs.com. There are so many ways biblical truth is being challenged these days. With AI, social media, and fake news influencing our culture, how do we decipher truth from fiction? In Pastor Jack's new book called Living in the Days of Deception, he'll untangle the truth from the lies that seem to assault us from every direction. He'll not only identify the characteristics of deceivers, but how to recognize the deceptions that are altering and even replacing the truth. You'll be encouraged as he pinpoints the key to standing strong as these spiritual battles intensify. So equip yourself now from being fooled by the counterfeits that have grown more and more difficult to detect. Order Living in the Days of Deception by Jack Hibbs for a gift of any amount to the Ministry of Real Life. Order now and you'll receive exclusive bonus video content by Pastor Jack. Go to jackhibbs.com slash days. That's D-A-Z-E, jackhibbs.com slash days. This program is made possible by the generous contributions of you, our listeners. Visit us at jackhibbs.com. That's jackhibbs.com. Until next time, Pastor Jack Hibbs and all of us here at Real Life Radio wish for you solid and steady growth in Christ and in His Word. We'll see you next time here on Real Life Radio.